welcome to the Celluloid Pudding Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, and my name is Sam, and I'm here with my sage and comely, fierce and fearsome, loyal and labile co-host, Beth. Thank you, Sam. Thank you very much. And I am here with you, the intelligent woman of letters that you are. And we're here to do a really interesting film. It got a lot of heat. It got a lot of love. You have an opinion about it if you watch this movie, and that is the film Call Me By Your Name. And it's based on the eponymous novel by Andre Asman. And uh, it's uh, set in 1983, but it was released when, Beth? 2017, was it? Yeah, you're right. 2017. I don't think there was much time between the novel being published, maybe five years or something, and the film adaptation, which was by Luca Guadagnino. And it's a multilingual polyglot kind of script. We've got, what, Italian, French, English going on? And then when they're discussing academia matters of papers and letters they're studying uh, greek and latin so you get a little little of that in there it's brimming with intelligence intelligence is flowing out of the windows i don't think there are any windows in that villa but it's just a rarefied beautiful old i think it's a very old 17th century mansion primary setting is the villa arabgoni located at three via montodine just south of via roma in moscazano a small village only five miles south of Crep. Wow, there's um, we can put this in our episode links. There's something on gigster.com yeah. that goes through where the scenes are shot. And so it, it puts it in large print there, headings for every scene. So it's Elio and Oliver riding bikes in front of the cathedral scene yeah. is at Piazza del Duomo, 26013 mm-hmm. Crema, CR, Italy. <laughs> so you can go through this article, and if you do find yourself traveling – in the region of Lombardy, which was where all this was shot, yeah, you can go to this little article, and it, it even gives you the Google link. Oh, Isn't that's that cool? very cool. <laughs> but I think they're a little coy in the film. It opens with, with sort of an establishing shot of, of the mansion, and it just says somewhere in northern Italy. Specified Why that ambiguity? I don't know. I don't know. But you had pointed something out that was interesting about the uh, titles. That they were sort of superimposed over Hellenistic sculpture or something like that? Yeah, and and what I did figure out, not figure out, but I read, I was wondering, I looked back at that opening again, and apparently that is supposed to be Samuel, the father's desk. He has all of these photographs, and he is an archaeologist, and his area of expertise is Greco-Roman statuary. So... If you had a two-story, only two-floor elevator ride and somebody said, what's this about? What genre? What genre would you say before you exited? Immediately, people are going to say it's a LGBTQ film. Um, I think it's a coming-of-age film. Yeah. It just happens to be that the, it's a coming-of-age of a 17-year-old boy who – boy, young man, really, who has been – I don't want to say he's been sheltered. Nurtured is probably more like it. And if he's if he's sheltered, I still think that the character is sheltered by choice. He seems very introverted to me. See, I, I see some absurdity in the way he acts and, and some confidence. But I think I think he has that outward affect of, you know, the cocky teen when he's with his peers. And when he's with his family, they're very demonstrative kind of family. But when it comes to his sexuality, yeah, he's he's just still forming. Right. He's unsure. What I read, Beth, was that the detractors 
didn't like it for two reasons. Mm. They're pro and against, right? And the detractors said that the age difference between the two primary characters, Elio and Oliver, was unacceptable. And, you know, thoughts of pederasty in today's society that does not go over well. And no. also I, I read that no. many felt it was, you know, same old stuff, like not introducing something new and challenging into the LGBTQ community. There have been quite a few uh, coming-of-age films made. It seems yeah. to be either coming-of-age or coming-out or self-discovery of one's sexuality. That seems yeah. to be the theme. I know that Star Child is a favorite film of hers and a lot of her peers. They just love it. Yeah. And Timothy Chalamet has a huge fan following. So lots I, of coming-of-age films, like it's saturated. What should they have done? I think the novel was very well received, so they wanted to make a film. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what I think. Yeah. I immediately became interested in it because I did not know it was somewhat a period piece. Because I don't, I don't think we get too many true, intimate memoirs of the cusp of Jet X. Yeah. He is Jet X. He is Video not is maybe atypical because of his family living abroad and at home. That's my one criticism. Well, I have a couple of criticisms of the film that this is a very idyllic setting for, for this romance. Almost in a cliche about, way, isn't it? Like, yeah, I don't I don't know too much about the novel. Was it autobiographical? Or? It's, it's written in the first person, and we do get a little voiceover narrative in the film, you know, little bits and pieces. And, and from what I can tell, I'm not yet finished with the novel. It, those little snippets are right from the book. Okay. All right. I don't think it's autobiographical. If it is, okay. he's not owning that. Okay. No, I just I think that it was a well-received book, and so they decided to make a film about it. Trust me, there's a lot of material out there on the Internet if you watch the film and if you are the, become a fan of the film. There's even a, a subgroup of cosplayers. <laughs> who, <laughs> I don't know what they do. I mean, there are only two main – but anyhow, you can get a cosplay outfit because there are some relics of the 80s in there, right? The, there's an iconic backpack that young Elio, one of our 17-year-old our protagonists – Is it, is it Elio's backpack or is it Oliver's? I wanted Oliver's backpack. Well, Oliver had a sort of – it almost looked like Banana Republic gear to me. Oh, yeah. Oliver's look. Uh, not current Banana Republic, mind you, but 80s Banana Republic when it was really cool. And uh, and Elio has this other kind of backpack called the Jolly Three Alpinismus, and, th and that was made in Italy and apparently a, a big deal, kind of um, drawstring backpack but with these vibrant – primary colors on it, which was very different from Oliver's backpack. There's that one scene where they're getting on the bikes and he sort of zips down the drawstring. Yeah. Oliver does. And then throws it around you know, over his shoulder and I, I was I want one. I want that backpack. I, I do too. I liked both of them. I looked up the, the one Elio carries and, and you can get it folks from some website in Italy for a cool ninety eight dollars. But everyone will know why you got it. Because <laughs> they'll know. But back to what we were talking about uh, criticism. My thing that I shared with you was Army Hammer, I think, is – I don't know how old he is, but he certainly looks like he's in his 30s. He does. I don't know how the, the actor – I think – oh, yes, I do. Uh, there's a 10-year difference at the time between the, the two actors, and I think it's a 7-year difference in the movie. Elio is 17 and, and Oliver is 24. 24. I don't have a problem with it. 
I, I think if you are old enough to have been of age or coming of age in the 80s, which would be right in our realm of knowledge, wouldn't it, 1983, and, and being near that age? I think the point is it, there's a vast difference between 30 and 17 <laughs> versus 24 and 17. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, that might be pushing it, the seven-year mark. And uh, Elio is not 18. However, this is Italy. And the one thing as you're watching the film that you realize is Elio knows who he is and he's starting to figure out what he wants as far as that sense of desire. The other thing is his family seems to be at this point, his parents, they're like, well, and there's some weird parts in the film where he's kind of pronouncing, I almost had sex last night with a girl. (laughs) He's very open with his with his family. Cocks his head to one side, like, okay, why didn't you know? Why didn't you? <laughs> yeah, it's really about consent. Elio knows what he wants. You find out that the feelings are reciprocated, and so what is the natural progression? Yeah, and I think I don't know if this is in the book, in the novel, or not. But the director, at least Luca Guadagnino, makes sure that Elio vocalizes that. Maybe he was self-aware as a director, like, this is, may not go over too well unless I really make sure that Elio is not a victim. But, oh, no, exactly. He, he asserts his desire. Yeah. He lets him know. Under, you know. There is no mistaking. And he actually makes the overture. Oliver does make some sort of overtures that's more coded, I suppose, before Elio decides to articulate his thoughts in a very much more, I don't know, mature way or conventional way, I guess. Somewhat direct but safe way. I wanted to mention, did you notice who the screenwriter was? James Ivory wrote the screenplay. Merchant Ivory of Room with a View, Maurice. Howard's End. Howard's End. Remains of the Day, did did they do that? I think they did Remains of the Day as well. A famous, legendary screenplay, partnership and yeah. partnership in real life as well. Yeah, it's a lovely script. I do love the palette of the film. And it, I, I think of blues and yellows, I guess, because of that backpack, but also in their home, which is lovely. And I, I think a lot of love was thrown on this great mansion where our primary family, Elio's parents, live. And it's very inviting, isn't it? It just looks like just a dream. Yeah, it does. There's all this verdure and orchards of apricots, and they're everywhere. It's apricot everything everywhere. Yeah. And they're drinking pitchers of apricot juice all the time. It's it's a vibe, the the apricots. They eat their food with great gusto and, and drinks, and I think they sort of judge the visitor, and we should maybe set him up a little bit, Oliver, because he just gulps down the juice. He doesn't savor it, and he tackles his... He can't figure out a boiled egg, a soft-boiled egg, how to eat it properly. And, well, Anella, the mother, yeah. they're in the study. There's that one scene where they're in the study. Yeah. The father and the... It's the, the test, right? Yes. The language test. And she brings in the pitcher of apricot juice, He's already had some, like, before when he was served apricot juice, I think, at breakfast. And he just starts to chug it, and <laughs> and she marvels at that. Like, yeah. he seems to very, really relish the juice. He's not self-conscious about, you know, manners abroad or anything like that. He's, oh, food, I'm hungry, I'm going for it, I'm thirsty, yeah. I'm going for it, I'm horny, I'm going for it. <laughs> it's, I mean, in a way, 
Or as Italians go, that fits right in. Yeah. <laughs> but they're a little um, bit more refined. You know, they're uh, very much a, a multicultural family of intelligentsia and geniuses, as you pointed out when we had one of our conversations about this. Just like a family of geniuses. It's a family of geniuses. I don't know what the mother's background is, but she seems pleased in her current situation. Yeah. There's mention of politics at some point, and I was wondering if the mother was involved locally in politics. But You mean when the, those two guests are, are just yeah. sort of dominating the lunch with their yeah. opinions? The, the father is a scholar, yeah. an academic, and Elio is a gifted musician. Yeah, he's a prodigy. Yeah, definitely. And what's the deal with the dad? Why on earth does he have Oliver over? Every year in the summertime at this villa, their villa that they go to, Elio explains a couple of times a year, he hosts a student from abroad to come and stay for six weeks to host them. And someone in his discipline, a student within his discipline, we should probably start there. Oliver shows up in a car. And we find out he's a doctor. He's almost finished with his Ph.D., yes? Yes, and he's come to work on his dissertation, we presume. So Elio's father graciously hosts students every summer to either go over papers, to assist him in his own academic work, and to you know basically mentor and share, right? Yes, and I think that there is some reciprocity there. The guest has full reign of the house. They're treated like family. But in return, I believe they help the father with his letters, with his correspondence, with his new finds, and we do see some of that in the film as well. It seems that Ilya's father has a problem with organizing all of his archive, too, because they, they seem to spend a lot of time. He and Oliver seem to be very busy archiving yeah. what's going on, too, recently. They're cataloging artifacts. He's finding something new, and that's very exciting, and also a theme of the film as well. And we haven't, we haven't touched on the scandal with Army Hammer. We are well aware of that. We can talk mention it at the uh, end of the... I, I was oblivious to it when I watched the film, and I'm, I'm glad I was because it didn't taint my viewing. I hate yeah, it when something I, taints my view. At least you could be objective without being judgmental. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah. But um, we're, we're well aware of it. The, what's the thing that Elio gets upset about every time one of these students comes comes over to study? He's ejected from his room, all right, his his private room. And it's a big mansion, so I don't really get this. And he's put into this adjacent sort of storage area that used to be occupied, I guess, by his grandfather and has to make his little hovel there. So it's not really fair. Like, what, in that big house, they couldn't create another guest room if they're going to do this every single year? I don't get that. What, what gets me is Oliver shows up. And he's shown to his room. We know the situation with Elio doesn't like it. Yeah. And um, I, I do like the part where – and you have traveled long distances in your life yeah. or, and taken flights like this. So yeah. Elio comes back up to say, you know, dinner. Yes. <laughs> he's just, no, I'm not getting up. Well, even when he's showing him to his room, Elio's room, showing Oliver to his room, he doesn't really engage in niceties. He's Oliver, that is, he's so jet-lagged that he just sort of plops face down on the bed, and he's out. Yeah. And Elio gives a sort of arch look like, really, no niceties, but goes to his room. 
and ponders this new person who's going to be living with them for six weeks. And so the next few days, really, it's Ilio being annoyed with him, (laughs) (laughs) with his initial arrival. Yeah. He's tasked, too, I think, and and this is a little unfair, I think, from the parents, to kind of show Oliver around. I guess you would have to play the the host in this way maybe because the professor is too esteemed to have that low job and what is the wife's the mother's name anella i think anella she's not going to do that she's she's got her so it's going to fall to elio being the closer in age to him i think they have this wonderful alice to their brady bunch yeah (laughs) name uh, (laughs) mafalda she's sort of the mother to all of them she cooks, she cleans, she minds everybody. I would like a Mafalda in my life. I'd need a Mafalda. Yeah. <laughs> Who wouldn't want a Mafalda? Maybe that's why their marriage works so well, because they've got a Mafalda. But, yeah. You know, all marriages would be really harmonious if you had a Mafalda. Check it out. Get one. I like the touch with the egg. That's sort of repeated. The motif with the egg. So. Mafalda serves them soft-boiled eggs, and he's just... (laughs) He doesn't know how to decapitate it. Right. She's, allow me. (laughs) But uh, then we see later that he's he's become adept, gently taps it and knows how to eat his soft-boiled egg. But but he just, at the beginning, just makes a massacre of it. He's not used to that. But he has no embarrassment. He's like, he just eats it. And and Anella says, well, can I get you another one? Like... Are you, we're, we're not, you know, providing you with enough sustenance. And, <laughs> and he, he then realizes, oh, no, and he makes a joke, like, no, I'd, I'd never be able to stop, and then you'd have to roll me out of here, and that's kind of cute and self-deprecating. They do make a comment immediately when he gets there about his size. I think he's just so tall. I, don't think, I think they're yeah. kind of impressed with his size and his appetites. Yeah. But Elio takes him into town, shows him, shows him around, and then – He's like, thank you, and then just kind of takes off. Elio is a little miffed by this. They they borrow somebody's bicycle, and they both cycle into town. I guess he wants to open a bank account, Oliver. And the Perlmans, their hosts, are a little taken aback and say nobody has ever really wanted to do that, but okay. (laughs) And Elio has the impression that he's going to show him some other things about the town. But Oliver just comes back to his bicycle and says, later. And takes off with it. Not a thank you, not a, hey, I'll be back, nothing. Just leaves Elio standing there with his bicycle. And this becomes a thing about the later, doesn't it? Yes. Elio cannot take it. You said there's something in the book, in the novel about it. In in the very first pages of the novel, Elio can't stand the way he arrives in a taxi in the novel. I'm not sure how he arrives in the movie. And he has co-passengers, like they've shared a fare or something, and dropping him off first. And without looking at them, says, later. And when he leaves a table later, and of course, after Elia takes him to the town square, just says later in this dismissive way that Elio finds so rude and dismissive. He's right. <laughs> it's very of the time, though, the later. Is it? I th- or do you have some manners when you're going to be a guest in somebody's home for six weeks? Well, I think it's there. In his mind, it's like ciao. They say ciao all the time. Ciao when they're coming, ciao yeah. when they're going. Yeah. So for Oliver, that's later is ciao. I guess so. But it also speaks of that American confidence that people marvel at on the continent. <laughs> do they marvel at it? I, they do. I've been to the continent. so You have. Well, haven't you? Not You've officially. Been to, 
the, the part that broke off. But yeah, <laughs> the part floating in the ocean. That part there. But yeah, we're known for being loud, being easy, used to anyhow, and being very confident. Those were the stereotypes of Americans. I think it's changed a great deal in the past 10 years, but he's confident. And that can be a heady thing for a young, impressionable man. But at first he feigns annoyance. Yeah. They're, they're out there. You get this sense that there are all these young people that are Elio's age just coming and going constantly. They're yes. all out there on the yard watching the volleyball happen. <laughs> it's, it seems like... I don't know what. Everybody is invited to the Perlman's house at all times. <laughs> Just welcome. Come in. Dine with us. Play volleyball with us. Swim in that weird fucking place with us. <laughs> Goldfish pond. By a lake. There's a some sort of pool. We don't know if it's a, an actual pool or used for goldfish. We're not sure. It's just the water is just not okay to me, but okay. It looks a little strange. But it looks like pond water to me. Yeah, lake water. <laughs> The villa looks hundreds of years old. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. maybe it was designed that way a hundred years ago that the pond water was. Yeah, there's sort of one of those fountains with either a head or a lion or something like that, you know, where the water comes out at one end. And it seems almost like a, you know, the, those eternity pools, but an ancient one. <laughs> this yes. is what it looked like to me. An infinity pool. Yeah, yeah. it does. Does anything else happen that, because um, I'm just going by things that stuck in my head there the dancing is the one thing that comes up for me next i think the first night or we don't know how much time has elapsed but elio goes out to where he meets his friends and they all go dancing it's sort of an open air thing and somebody's playing music and i don't i don't think he goes with oliver i think oliver's already there and elio arrives and watches him from afar and we get the impression that his crush is really forming as he watches oliver dance Really? Because, okay, if I had, maybe I would have suspected that. Oh, no, we're missing an important thing that happens during the, the volleyball. <laughs> oh, I don't even know how to explain that. There is a touch, right? So, this boy is in his swim trunks all the time. It, everyone is running around in their swimming suit their, like it The is. men are in their swim trunks yeah. all the time. At all times. No shirt, whatever. It's Italy. It's summer. It's 1983. And at some point, Oliver comes up behind him and sort of squeezes him on the shoulder in a what I would consider a very intimate, you're in my boundary space uh, way, or you've crossed that space. When Elio moves away, like, what are you doing? Oliver quickly covers that by saying, you look tense, and then calls, what's the girl's name? Marcia? Marzia. Marzia over to confirm. Like, doesn't he feel tense? So it's all above board, right? He's playing volleyball, and there's a bottle of water, cold water, that Ilio picks up. And then the next thing you see is this big six-foot-four frame coming in, rushing in, and grabbing the bottle right out of his hand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks. No boundaries. No filters. And he's got – he's grabbing the water with one hand, and he's he sort of grabs his shoulder with the other. Yeah. and. And that's when kind of Elio pulls away and he goes, oh, just relax. You're too tense. Yeah. And, and Elio is filled with indignation on his face. So I love the way that Timothy Chalamet plays it. Like, who the hell are you to take my water or to do this or just drive off on your bicycle after I showed you something nice? You, you awful person. He's thoroughly irritated with him or yeah. feigning irritation. Yeah. But I think he's attracted and irritated at the same time, which is an odd combo. He's definitely trying to – he's definitely figuring it out. He does figure it out, I think, 
later when they're dancing because he's smoking a cigarette and he's there with his pals, young people his age. And they're speculating, right? Because you hear them saying, oh, she's really into him. Oh, yeah. Look how cute he is. And maybe that's the volleyball scene. This one's better than last year. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And she's really into him. And Marzi is kind of marveling at it. His male friends are remarking. And it's funny because I didn't notice this at first, but as the song is playing and, and, uh, Oliver's dancing with this very attractive Italian young woman. The crowd kind of parts, and you see two women that are actually dancing close together. And then it cuts to the DJ, and then the iconic song comes on. Yeah, Love My Way by the Psychedelic Furs, that one, or a different one? Yes, Love My Way by Psychedelic Furs, that comes on. A lot of extreme close-up, and then alternating to the view of Oliver dancing and and being very gropy with the girl, but she's loving it, right? I got he, the new meat. He does dance the way a lot of guys in the 80s dance. Oh, it's so bad. A slightly on beat. <laughs> slightly. <laughs> slightly on beat. He doesn't know what to do with his arms. It's, it's pretty so bad. doing something really it's, weird. It's the white man shuffle of the 80s is what it is. It is definitely a shuffle. But finally, when he starts just sort of jumping up and down, dancing, yeah, and he's like running his hand through his hair, he's really into the song. Yeah. And it's funny because the group, Elio's group, all have the same reaction. We used to have this reaction when we were out and Bizarre Love Triangle came on where everybody mm-hmm. starts rushing to the dance floor. But they're having that reaction to Love My Way by Psychedelic Furs. Yeah. And he goes, no, I'll wait. But he can't stand it anymore, can he? No. He finally grabs. Does he? Does is Marzia already out there? I'm trying to think. You you have a very 80s, almost ABBA like moment with the two girls who are sort of dancing together, but also making gestures to the DJ or whoever right. in sync. It's really that's right. Very 80s. Right as the song comes on, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if Marzia is already out there, but he's almost proving. To Oliver, I've got Marzia here, beautiful Marzia, and she is lovely. And then he sort of wanders off, like you do in the 80s, too, and dances with himself for a bit. Like You're not doing the foxtrot or something that's commitment to your dance partner in these days. he takes Marzia onto the dance floor because she follows the cameras, like, from shot from behind. Mm. So he's approaching right up to where Oliver is dancing with Chiara. Mm-hmm. And then he turns around, and then you see him turn towards the camera, and he's trying to do the the Richard Butler thing from the psychedelic furs with his shoulders. Oh yeah, you know, like you do, like you do. But back then, when you were in high school, trying to do the he's got the Ray Bans going too, even at night. I think sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do you think that he's he's trying to say notice me to Oliver? I think that. he's trying to tell himself, I don't care. I'm with a beautiful girl, and he he just thinks he's hot. Look at me. I, I can do that, too. But he's confused by his own feelings, I think. He's just, mm-hmm. he's still a virgin. He's, you know, he doesn't have much experience. It's weird because when that scene opens, he's smoking that cigarette, and he's sitting there with his friends, and he's just glaring at him as if he's pissed off. Yeah. But then... 
he kind of surges forward and dances with Marjus. And I think probably he doesn't know what love is yet with Marcia or anybody else, but he's going to select her as I'm going to have my first experience with this person. She likes me. None of this is said, but you get that impression after a later scene. Okay, get my experience out of the way. So later that night, it's very nice lighting, romantic. They're they're by the lake, and you kind of think that they're going to skinny dip. And he tells her, I think, after to meet him there the next night, doesn't he? Yes, they disrobe, and as an audience member, you know, I'm thinking, oh, they're going to have some of the sex now. But no, she sort of strips down to her bra and panties, and he's in whatever, and they go for a swim in the lake. And there's a lot of swimming in this movie. And yeah, he tells her to meet her the next night. It's very innocent. Yeah. And they're planning their little romantic rendezvous for the next night. Yeah. And the next morning is is the funny conversation. Yeah, I, I guess Oliver and Dad are sitting at the breakfast. They always eat al fresco, it seems, and uh, announces, I think because Oliver is there with his father, announces, I almost had sex last night with Martha. <laughs> like you do. Like I never would. <laughs> you know? no. I, I just think it's so funny. The father just sort of nonchalantly going, why didn't you? <laughs> He's 17. I, I mean, you start to wonder, yeah. as a parent, have you discovered any anybody yet? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I think that's Elio's parents. Is have, have you discovered anyone? Yeah. Is it, are you, you know, maturing in that area? <laughs> and that's kind of the impression I got. Yeah. Yeah. And and they're all for him. They're very open, very welcoming of of everything, and. I would even say permissive, you know, his comings and goings are, are his business. But what was interesting about the announcement scene, I almost had sex, that he's announcing to Oliver and dad. Mom is off pruning a, a shrubbery or something, and she says, what's that? And they cover for him and say, oh, uh, there was a discovery over uh, at the port. Why is she kept out of the loop? I honestly think the men of the house are assuming one thing, and I think she knows everything. And I think that's just sort of underlying message there. She sees everything. In fact, I don't know which night it is, but at some point she says something like, you like Oliver, don't you? And he's like, mm, you know, you know, teenage response. And then she says, Oliver likes you and he likes you more. And then Elio is interested and says, how do you know that? And she says, because he told me. I don't know if he really told her, but she says that. She is a fascinating character, yeah. and that alone is reason to read the book. It, it is. <laughs> the the languid really way she sits back reading multiple language books and lights up a cigarette in the living room. And <laughs> the decor in that house is to die for, really. It's idyllic. That's the only way to describe it, the idyllic Italian romance yeah. setting. Yeah. So the next morning, the father says – We've discovered something. Do you guys want to go? Elio and Oliver. And of yes. course, Oliver wants to jump at the chance. And there, there was that very funny scene with the car. Yes. Elio is, he, he always has a book in his hand, which is a nice change. For, I think that's one of the nice things about it being set in 1983. There isn't a phone, but Elio always has a book. I don't know what he's reading, but he gets to the car first and he's standing there waiting to sit in the back seat. Oliver comes along. 
and goes to get into the front seat, and Elia says, no, no, the groundskeeper, whose name eludes me, did you? Benzada, I think. Benzada. He navigates for, for my father whenever he drives. Did you understand, like, why the father needs a navigator? But <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he needs one. <laughs> and so Oliver reluctantly, like a petulant child, smashes his, his behind on the back seat, you know, <laughs> on the back seat of the They're, car. It yeah, looks very sullen. with each other. And yeah, snipes, because, don't play the host to me. Yeah. Uh, just as before he's getting in the car, Chiara, the girl he was dancing with the night, the night before, yeah. shows up on her bicycle and he says, no, I have to go. But there's canoodling, you know, mm-hmm. kind of nuzzling, kissing her. And Elliot's just sort of talking. He says something, though, that's almost insulting. He said she's much prettier this year than she was last year. Yeah. It's like a snipe. It's a it's a dig at uh, Chiara. And that's when Oliver's like, you don't don't do it. You don't need to play, you know, fix. Well, first he says in those matters, I, I leave that to myself. Don't. Exactly. Yeah, he's he's irritated. So right after that line is delivered, don't play the host. And they're looking like two pissy boys. Dad walks up to the car, sees them there, staring straight ahead, and says, what's going on, boys? <laughs> he knows. And he summons Oliver up to the front seat. Elio looks shocked and indignant, like he's riding shotgun. Hmm. He says, what? <laughs> like he just feels betrayed. You know when you're 17 and everything is a betrayal or a wonderful thing, and there's very little gray and nuance. It's either going to ruin your life or make it, whatever little thing falls gently on your skin. They make it to the dredge site, and we see the discovery, the first part of the discovery. Yeah, and it's a lovely uh, full arm, the Arominos, which is significant, the eroticized depiction and art of youth. And they have a little truce there, don't they? It was clever the way they did that. Yeah. They display the artifact to the father, and then the father hands it to... Oliver and they're just in awe and as Oliver's holding that beautiful arm Elia holds his hand out and he says truce and they kind of he shakes the the statue's arm yeah I liked that yeah I thought that was well done yeah and then you see them out on the water and they pull up the rest of the statue and the father goes into did you catch any of that Well, he describes it as, I I forget how many of them, three or five, and some had been discovered, but it was believed to have been a gift. And I did not catch with the names whether it was a gift from a man to a woman, a woman to a man, a man to a man, or, you know. It it was a gift to, the statue was a gift to the contralto something, so a singer, an opera singer. But then they were talking about the origins going back to Hadrian or something like that, didn't they? That they, something was melted down and then there were four yeah. statues made or something. That's right, because they're, they're brass or bronze rather statues. I think he's particularly excited because this one is, is more of an original. Sorry, I don't by have more time, to say on that one. I, I was No, I'm, I was just going to say by the time they're done, the father's like, hey, let's go for a swim. And they, they're all swimming and they're, they're all getting along. Swimmingly. Yeah, they're splashing each other. I love that, just the spontaneous nature of, all right, let's go swimming. Now? Yeah. I remember the 80s being like that. You hear them Want to go? I'm sorry. Uh Uh-huh. They're calling out, Elio, Oliver, Elio, Oliver, like some sort of game. Yeah. But they get back to the villa, and Elio is freaking out. He's like, I got to go, I got to go, got to go, got to go. Yeah, he made a date (laughs) with Marcia. And he's too late. 
he is. He cycles his little heart out to the little <laughs> meeting place <laughs> by the lake, and she's not there, which I'm glad about. She shouldn't wait too long for that. And so he missed his chance with Marzia for the night, anyhow. So the next few days or day, or it, it's a little awkward because I, I feel like Elio's looking for Oliver and Oliver is busy doing. Now, I've got to ask you this. It seems to be habit of Oliver that he goes into town every day. Yeah. Do you think he's just going and playing poker? Because the, I don't know if he's time. There, there's a reveal at some point, like he, Oliver tells Elio where he goes and why. But we're thinking, or I'm thinking, are you meeting people? That's are, what I was You know, are you hooking up? And how does he know those elderly poker players at this dive bar place on his first day? How does he know that? There's a very sensuous scene that happens, self-sensuous scene that happens, where he's looking for Oliver mm. pretty much all day or waiting for Oliver to come back. And he winds up in Oliver's room. Mm. And yeah. he, he sees the swim trunks. What did you make of that? I was very scared for him the whole time. I was like, oh, Oliver's going to walk in. But he sniffs them. It's very sensual. And then he puts the whole thing over his head and makes very sexual gestures, I think, with his body, like he's mounting him, you know. Or, yeah, sort of undulating yeah. uh, on the bed. <laughs> Timothy Chalamet is a great actor, and just uh, the way... He conveys it. it. It wasn't. It didn't seem devicey or contrived. It looked like he was able to turn off the fact that there is a whole set crew around him. And he really is alone and exploring this intriguing new stranger's belongings, occupying that space. He conveys the sense that his desire is physically overwhelming him at 17 yeah. years old. Yeah. And that's what I took away from that scene. He's just overwhelmed with his desire for this this man. Yeah. And I, I think that's pretty dead on for your average 17-year-old boy. <laughs> A lot of hormones just bursting. Coursing through his veins. And I think he then goes to his room and is uh, doing a little self-service there. Is that when Oliver walks in and he grabs the book real quick? And Oliver says, so. what were you doing? And doesn't he come back? Oliver comes back that, on that day. And you see you see Oliver kind of – he's watching him, and he's just sort of avoiding him for the whole day. Is and that when that, Elio is saying, Mom, where's Elio? Marfa, where, he's asking yeah, everyone? Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. And then later that night, it's raining, and he's down there with his parents, and she wants to read the story to them. Yeah. I love that scene. I did not get the name of the book she's reading. It's a sort of 17th century, was it, or earlier? He called it 16th century French literature because then he conveys the story to yeah. Oliver the next day out by the pool. Yeah, but what I like in this scene is uh, uh, Anella says, where's, my, where's that novel? And I, I guess this is a tradition of theirs to just sort of sit together in a very touchy-feely way. Mom and dad are very close, and Elio is, is sort of draped across both their laps, and she's translating from the German to the English a very romantic tale about a prince and a princess, and the prince can't confess his love for fear of rejection. He, he, he's afraid to tell the object of his desire how he feels. And the princess tries to make him say what he needs to say, and then he asks her, is it better to – what does he say? Is it better to speak or, 
or, or die, I think. Or die. And Elio says, I could never do it. I could never say it. And I think his parents say something sage, like, we have faith in you. Of course you would say it. Mm. But no scene is wasted. That was an important scene because what follows is an important scene. I wrote about that scene on that evening, family yeah. cuddle time. <laughs> it, very demonstrative. And I love that. When he loves, he loves. He throws his arms around dad's neck or mom's neck or whoever he loves. And he's just very comfortable touching, feeling. That's how he's been raised, too. Yeah. At this point, mostly we see him in swimming trunks and occasionally he puts on a shirt, but he's always wearing a silver chain. And I, I think in the first part of the movie, I was thinking, was that a thing, the silver chain? I'm thinking of the puka beads and other things that were, you know, kind of of the time. But we do get a lot of shots of the necklace that Oliver is wearing, which is a silver star of David. And he always wears his Ralph Lauren, of course, shirts open. And that Star of David is very prominent, and it's something that Elio clocks very early on as well. Okay. <laughs> um, where am I going with that? At some point, Oliver says, why don't – he says something. Elio says, I noticed your necklace, your nice necklace. He, he says it in a nicer way, I think. And Oliver says, where's yours? Why don't you wear one? And Elio says, oh, I used to have one, but my mother says we're Jews of discernment. Or discretion. 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 And Oliver's not going to say anything bad about his hostess, of course. So he says, well, if that works for your mother, then great. So he doesn't challenge him on it. But you get the sense that he's also chastising Elio a little bit. You should wear that with pride. I did catch that. And I don't think that they're necessarily hiding, hiding who they are. I think it's for their own protection. Because when they're back at home, as we see at the end of the film, they're very – we find out they are – if not devout, they definitely practice yeah. their religion as a family. You get that sense in that, that last scene, the, the closeness and the familial bond. Yeah. I didn't see if there was a mezuzah and outside the front door, but it's a very sort of open house, so we don't linger on doorways too much. But we do have the Shabbat candles at some point in a later, later scene – Yes. And uh, so they're respectful, of course. And I believe Oliver, or maybe it's mom and dad, made sure it was a Jewish household or a Jewish guest mm. that they're allowing into their home. Oh, in the in the novel, they mentioned that? In my reading about the, I, I don't know yet in the novel because I, I haven't okay. gotten to that. But there are two things, it seems to me, that Oliver is there to be a catalyst for, and that's, own your heritage and own your sexuality while still putting some limits on Elio, who's a very free spirit. That's a great take. They uh, they go into town. I think Oliver sort of encourages or makes the overture to Elio that he, he needed to go into town. He said, I'm not doing anything. So they they go. Yeah. And I think he has to pick up some papers. Oliver grabs some cigarettes, shares a cigarette, and then they look at this monument in the middle of the square. Yeah. And it's the Battle of Piava. Oliver doesn't know about this battle, he says. I've never even heard of it. And Elio just spouts off particulars. It's the most famous and notorious battle. And Oliver looks at him like, is there, and says, is there anything that you don't know? Because Elio's very, you know, he's precocious, he's erudite, he's also a musical prodigy. He just, you know. Born of two geniuses. So yeah. he's, 
and he's an ex- extraordinarily gifted individual. Yeah. And this statuary or cemetery or whatever it is, is sort of a rondola and it's gated off. So the physical blocking is interesting to me. Mm. Oliver is moving around and out of sight as Elio is trying to convey something to him. He says to him in that, he said, is there anything you don't know? And he said, if you only knew how much I don't know. The thing, what, what is it that you about don't the things know? that matter or something the like things that. that matter? I don't know about the things that matter. And there's a lot of this. And I did read a little bit of background on how this would, I don't know, relate to. Oh, gosh, where no, go, go for it. Oh, God. I don't know if I'll get it right, but can you give it a echo falls in love with with Narcissus, Narcissus. and echoes Narcissus. deal is she can only repeat the last thing that that she heard said. And there's a lot of back and forthing and. One analyst suggested that Oliver represents Narcissus, or, or I don't know, or, or the dynamic between the two was very much like Echo and Narcissus. There's a lot of, do you want to tell me that? And somebody else, and Elio would say, do I want to tell you that? Are you yeah. going to tell me? Am I going to tell you? So that, that sort of echoing back of a question without a- actually answering it. There are a few scenes in this film where the line is repeated, and yeah. I do think that there there is something to that. Yeah. And the one part, the interchange where you cannot see Oliver anymore, and it's just, I think it's just Elio, where you finally see him come across around the, the corner. He says, because I wanted you to know, and he repeats that something like three times. Mm. I'm giving my consent. I'm giving my consent. I'm giving my consent. There's something in the Judaic tradition about asking something three times. Three times, yeah. Before it's... You know, do you really want that? Do you really want that? And is this where Elio takes him to his special, what is it called, the Monet Berm? Well, before they get there, is this customary in Italy? You could be riding your bicycle and come across a, an older senora. I think that's, <laughs> that's expected there. hospitality, yeah. Okay. So we may even have that, that, like, can I trouble you for a glass of water? Have you never asked a stranger for a glass of water? Not in northern Italy, no. <laughs> not on a, a bike ride. Not in northern Italy. I haven't had that. I mean, I suppose when we were in North Carolina or when I was out in Utah, I could have just knocked on someone's, yeah, some compound's door and said, it's it's a desert out here. Can we yeah. have some more? <laughs> yeah. And they'd be prepared for that. And it's clear that Elio, while they're biking around, is in better shape because Oliver looks pretty winded, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He's panting by the time they yeah. get to the to the pond. So uh, so that's a sweet scene with the woman providing them each with a, a drink of water. What's it for for the movie? Like how does it move the plot along? I don't know, except that maybe Elio is a little bit sympathetic to the fact that he was showing off with the bike and Oliver needs a little bit of respite. He needs a break and some water. So he's empathetic. I think also it, it's – there's a point before they – when they leave town – and they're on the bikes, and they show the bikes, and it, it looks like they're deciding instead of just going straight back home that they're going to take a longer journey yeah. together yeah. to have some alone time, yeah. to be alone. And I don't know if Elio even reveals where he's taking Oliver. Does he just secretly take him there to a special spot, or does he tell Oliver? I can't recall. He says, this is, this is my favorite place. I come here, I read, I Oliver steps in and the water's freezing. And then Elio proceeds to tell him all about the, the 
the source of the spring and where yeah. what mountain it comes from. <laughs> but it's hilarious when you look at it because Elio doesn't give away that it's cold water. He's just walking right in like it's going to be hot springs or something. And so that's a little trick on Oliver, too. Like, Jesus, that's cold when he steps in. Shocking mountain ice water. After their little, I don't know, getting a little bit wet there in the ice cold pond. Yeah. They're sort of laid back on the grass. And Elio is there. They're just kind of laying next to each other. And Elio says, I love this. Mm. I love this. Oliver says, and, what do you love about it? And says, all of it. And doesn't he say us? Yeah, and then he adds us. Yeah, and then Ilio just sort of pauses. He tries to be very nonchalant. Mm. He says, that's, that's not bad. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Oliver says, do you mean us? And he says, that's not bad either. You know, so he's he's not going to just be completely vulnerable, even though it's very clear. He's made it very clear, his desire back at that little historic monument, cemetery, whatever it was. And here's where they share their first kiss. Now, it's nothing to write home about, the first kiss. No, it's not. It is breaking the ice, but yeah. that's about it. Yeah. And it's a tease. It's a bit of a tease on Oliver's part. Oliver and kisses Al- him and then says, yeah. happy. Like, <laughs> better better now? Better now. better now. So Oliver's playing hard to get now or reeling Elio in further and further, I guess. I don't know, because I do think he's sincere. They kiss, and then Elio kind of, okay, let's go, and just starts mm-hmm. trying to hop on him, and Oliver sort of backs off. He's like, no, 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 we haven't done anything we need to be ashamed of. Let's be good. Yeah. yeah. I didn't like that In one. other words, we this could be, I, we enjoy each other's companionship. I, and I do believe Oliver is sincere about mm-hmm. that, because we find out later a lot more about his background. Yes. And... The character is not a bad person. He's trying to just sort of stay within the lines. I'm going to stay within the lines. What's acceptable? And I do think he's thinking we have this great affection for each other. We can enjoy each other's company. We can even be overtly affectionate with each other when we're together. But I I don't want to do the sex. We're not doing the sex. And and probably he he does. He, He sincerely has great respect for his hosts and the professor. Like, am I going to fool around with his son when they're providing you with this amazing opportunity? There's that, too. And that's a biggie. Yeah. He's almost done with his Ph.D. He's He doesn't want to screw this up. Yeah. And he's kind of asking Elio, please. Just. <laughs> and then what does Elio do? They're sitting there. It's a front-on shot. They're sitting side by side. And Elio just, he's looking straight ahead, but just puts his hand smack on Oliver's crotch, like a crotch grab, and looks blank yeah, face. Like, his, what are you going to do about grabbing, it? <laughs> yeah, he's grabbing his business. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a quick cut after that because Oliver knows, you know, he's playing. He's being very playful. Like, I've told you this serious thing, and then Elio's response is crotch grab. Yeah. Good luck with that, Oliver. They get back, dinner that night. Mm-hmm. And they're having guests yet again. His parents are, and they're. Is this the couple? The is the older? No, not the not the queer couple, but the older couple that seems to be talking about cinema. And they're arguing. They're having this very very loud, obnoxious argument. Nobody can get a word in. Not <laughs> not the parents. Not Oliver. Not Elio. Nobody. It's bad. Do you think Elio is just getting so stressed out from the screaming that he he gets a nosebleed? 
I do know from the novel that he gets them from time to time, and I and he does not because a lot of the internet on the interwebs people are asking what kind of sickness does Elio have, and the answer is he doesn't have a sickness, but he suffers from nosebleeds. And during this time where they're entertaining this boisterous couple, he gets a nosebleed and discreetly walks away to put ice on it and finds a little space in a corner somewhere. And Oliver does excuse himself as well to find out what's wrong. He's concerned. They're sitting next to each other, and he starts rubbing Elio's feet. Mm-hmm. And I forget what's said between the two of them, but they're just getting closer. It's a very caring moment, I think, because, you know, Elio's sitting there with his back to the wall, his feet extended, and he's holding the ice and the cloth to his nose to slow the bleeding. Mm-hmm. And Oliver says, this is what my Bobby uh, used to do. It it, it really works if you're feeling unwell, and it's uh, I don't know if it's some sort of reflexology or what it is, but it's comforting. He, said, he does say to, to Elio, he's like, I hope I'm not the cause of this, and he's like, yeah. no, 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 that's that's not it. And I think the guest says, is this normal? And the mother says, it happens. She's very nonchalant. She's just nonchalant. Nothing phases her. Yeah. I think that's where the talk about the Star of David comes up, because we do get a cut shot. And the next time we see Elio, he is wearing his Star of David on his silver chain. Oliver leaves, and the girls come up. We see Oliver coming out on his bicycle. And Chiara and uh, Marja are on their bicycles. And, of course, Chiara's like, don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. And as soon as they're out of sight, he hauls it the other way, doesn't he? (laughs) Takes off as fast as he can. So Elio is sort of nursing his nosebleed, Mm. kind of reclining on the sofa. That boy reclines everywhere in that damn villa. This actor is comfortable in his skin, too. (laughs) He just is. He just seems to be. And it's the rest of the evening is sort of him waiting for Oliver to get back. Yeah. He doesn't know where he takes off to. Nobody. We don't know. Nobody knows. Does he go to play poker with those guys? Does he hook up with somebody? We don't know. And I think it's the next day where Elio's frustrated, or maybe it's the same day. He's frustrated, so he meets up with Marja. And I don't know where they are. They're inside someplace, uh, and they're going to have the sex for the first time. And he seems uninhibited, and she seems shy but uninhibited. And can those things go together? You know. It's their first time, both of them. Yes. And he doesn't seem hesitant. He doesn't seem like, is this the sort of person I want to be with or not? It's just an experience, I think. I think they're both ready to lose their virginity. Yeah. And they both seem attracted. You know, yeah. He finds her somewhat attractive, and she obviously finds him attractive. She really likes him. Yeah. And I, th- I think he does not perform well. He performs, and then you, you hear him apologizing. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm yeah. sorry. But they they lose their virginity that, that night. That's yeah. how I took that. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be a long event, the loss of virginity <laughs> with two, two people. <laughs> I don't think she knows anything either. You know? It's actually really sweet because she just starts laughing. Yeah. She's laughing. He's he's kind of laughing. Yeah. It's a very sweet kind of moment. It is. It's really sweet. And they both look like relieved, like we can check that off now. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's off the bucket list of yeah. my teenage years. Because it's going to get embarrassing <laughs> if we're 18 and then haven't done anything yet. <laughs> that's not... When he gets back 
though, he starts trying to write this letter. It's late, and he's tearing up one page after another. We, we should also mention intermittently throughout the movie, he seems to have a diary of sorts. I mean, his handwriting is huge because I can see what on it, and it's sort of things like, does he like me? I like him. I hate him. You know, mm-hmm. childish sort of things that you might write in a diary. What, what is he asking, Oliver, though? Do you like me? Yes or no? <laughs> Do you like me? Check one. Yes. Yeah. No. <laughs> Pick one. Yes, no. And he, yes, he isn't no. satisfied with any of them. But what does he end up slipping? I can't remember the real note. Well, the next morning comes, and I, I do believe that Oliver does finally come home, and he just sort of feigns being asleep. Mm. But I, if cause there's several nights where <laughs> well, one night he comes home and he's peeing. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that. I don't know that we need that in the movie twice yeah, or three I, times, I think. The peeing scene is that just for the male gaze? I don't know. But well, they're they're kind of because the way the the rooms are configured, they're forced to share the bathroom. Yeah. Oliver uses the bathroom, and then closes the door. <laughs> yeah. Look at my bum so, and everything else, and then I'll shut the door. <laughs> so then I'll shut the door. And the next morning, Elio goes downstairs. And I don't remember the exchange, but when he comes upstairs, he sees the note that was left by Oliver. And it's a very short note. Yeah. It just says, grow up, meet you at midnight. Now, how did you take that? I think maybe Oliver was thinking, look, I tried to explain to you that we're not going to be overt in our affections. That There's a lot at stake here. So act like an adult. It's clear that we like each other. And meet me at midnight. Yeah, it's kind of like if you want to have this mature experience, then stop acting like a teenager. Yeah. There, you want there to piss to with the some, big boys and then yeah, act like this it. Is, you want to make love with man? Be a man. You start acting like one. Well, now I'm confused because I thought it was the same night because there's a lot of focus on Elio's watch because, yeah, midnight, it's going to happen. And midnight. isn't that the night he, the day he loses his virginity and also – uh, he loses his virginity, I thought, like, was it the next day or that day or the... I think it's that very day, which is an odd choice to me. Okay, let me think. They sleep together again, what happens. Marja comes over and they're swimming, and then they go into that little hovel area. <laughs> yeah, what is... I know. It looks like a shed shack or, or a shed or something, and they have sex there again. See, that's, I thought that was the is. first. I think I missed something, and I've no, watched it four times now. The day before, they lose their virginity. He's not very good at it. He stays up trying to leave notes. He can't write the note. He just kind of gives up on it. I think uh, Oliver comes home, but he kind of disses him. He just sort of uses the bathroom and shuts the door. Yeah. So the next morning, I think he goes downstairs. They have company, and he Oliver performs gone? for them. Yeah, Oliver, I think, is gone when he gets down there. So when he goes back upstairs to his room, yeah, he's downstairs, and he sees Oliver leave. He goes back upstairs, and that's when he finds the note. So to kill time, he has Marcia come over, and they're swimming because he calls her. There's a He actually sits down to call her. Yeah, that's right. I thought. Or no, he calls her the day before, but then she comes over again, and they have sex in that little weird what, – what is that? It could be like Some a little – gardening shed or basement or it, it's not furnished or anything it seems and they seem to have gotten better at it or he has <laughs> well i mean he said he's only been with himself so <laughs> it's a novelty <laughs> having another person there 
Now, I need to share this with you because we were talking about how many – is he checking his watch or is he taking it off? I we counted. disagree on this point. I counted. I went back and I counted. Yeah? One, how many? Two, three, four, five. He looks at his watch five times. Two of them are when he takes the watch off okay. to have sex with Margie again yeah. and put it back. So, and I, so I count them because he's looking at his watch as he puts it down. And he's looking at his watch uh, when he puts it back on. And also, he plays the piano for the guests, and I guess you would take your yes. bulky watch off for that. And so that's uh, five and six because his father hands it to him. And I actually – I might have even missed one because when he's out there, you see them fooling around, and you know that this other couple's coming over that night. And it happens to be a queer couple, yeah. these two older gentlemen. And just before dinner, he's out there with Marja. She's about to leave, and uh, they sort of break off the kiss. And I saw it. I caught him. He looked at his watch again. Well, you're much more observant than I because I I, I didn't notice that. So the whole day he's checking his watch. Is it it midnight yet? But, I mean, at what time? If he discovered it, like, I don't know when he discovered it, what time of day, but like 10 in the morning, and he has to wait till midnight for That's a long wait. It's kind of torturous. Like, why midnight? Yes. Being very mysterious and dramatic on purpose, I think. There's a a really important scene between he and his father because he they're they're arguing over this shirt that this couple gave oh, him as yeah. a gift. The father wants him to wear the shirt. Now keep in mind they're from Miami in eighty three. Miami Vice, you know. It's gonna be right. a loud shirt. And his argument is, I look like a scarecrow in it. It's too big. It's whatever. They've already seen me in my other shirt. It's going to look very performative if I put it on. You might even say it like that because they do talk like that. But the father is pretty insistent. Like, they bought it for you. You're going to wear the bunny suit. I'm just thinking of a Christmas story. That's true. And yeah. he kind of he chastises Elio. Yeah. You accepted the, the gift. Sh- now you're The gonna... Sonny and Cher comment. Do you dislike them because they're gay or because they're weird? Which one? Ridiculous, I think. <laughs> Ridiculous, yeah. <laughs> and even Elio giggles at that. Yeah. He has trotted out, I think, because it kind of reluctantly performs for all the guests. That's kind of his role. He's got to play father, something for us, Elio. He tells him, now put this on. He throws – it's yeah. the most irritated we see the father the whole time. I think the father is correct. He doesn't have a leash on Elio. He gives him a very free lifestyle. But when it comes to manners or comportment, he's going to say something. And he says, you will play for my friends. Mm. And that's an interesting scene because we see Oliver walk up the stairs or something at some point, And Elio must see him in his peripheral vision, but he is all focus on his piano. Like, I don't care. I'm, I'm here in the moment playing something you could never do and uh, for for this group of people who are all focused on me just as he's done he maybe catches the glimpse of like oliver's leg going up the stairs or something yeah. and he knows he, and that's when he looks at his father he says i'm tired yeah his father gives him a brief embrace and like thank you that's all all i wanted and i i, I kind of thought it's sort of what a parent does when they have a child that is a prodigy or that is extremely gifted mm-hmm. when he shakes his finger at him like you will do this mm-hmm. because Elio may not know it but it's for his own good if it's his one extraordinary gift and he's got many of them 
but that's the super yeah. one. Yeah. His superpower. Yeah. Years from that moment on, he's going to appreciate that his father was such a pain in the ass about it. I think he's well exceeded his father's expectations. He he's transcribing music, you know, famous music, just by listening to it and and writing down notation. Well, his father also wants him to be a nice person, a good yeah. person, a generous person. Yeah. So uh, now the big consummation scene. Yeah, the big consummation scene. I thought it was rather tame. Interesting choices cinematically, in terms of the how, cinematography, I should say. How so? Well, they show a bit of foreplay, nothing too explicit. And then direction is to pan to a tree outside. Yeah. Interesting choice. Was Timothy underage? I don't know. I don't know how old he was when this film was made. I don't either. I don't. He's 27 now. I mean, it would depend on when it was filmed, too. So. Oh, it would have been a film the year before. So, yeah. He's 21 years old in the film. Okay, so fully legal by all standards. Okay. Yes. Well, and maybe we don't know what the actors' the choices too. were either. You have two straight men playing queer roles. Yes. Why not cast two queer men? Yeah, it seems like Oliver, you could put somebody in there. Elia, though. Elio. He's such a unique actor and character. I don't know. Hey, he's the hot ticket right now. He's got all kinds of projects. The Dylan project, Bob Dylan mm. biopic. Looking forward to that. Uh, Dune. There's a ton of stuff. I can't wait to see uh, Dune. It's rather tame. Mm. It's And playful. Playful. And he's so much smaller than Oliver. There's this sort of joke like he's kind of like crawling on it. <laughs> <laughs> he's just tiny compared to Army Hammer. So... Well, it seems like Oliver wants to be very serious, like, now we're going to make love. And Elio is, leaps into his arms and falls and pretends to faint. And, you know, he, and then he seems to be more of the dominant party, I think, or the aggressor in that encounter. Yes. We get also the name of the movie. Call me by your name. It's argued, I guess, by the Greeks that it's the most elevated kind of love and the person that loves you is sort of a projection of self-love form of self-love okay and that's kind of how i interpreted what you were reading earlier today to me we always say you know you can't love anybody else unless you love yourself say you're married to somebody or dating somebody named lee and your name is Joseph. And as you're pleasuring Lee, you're saying your own name. Oh, Joseph. Joseph. Oh, you turn me on Joseph when it's Lee. What? I don't know. I have a problem with that. Think of your near. I don't know. I'm not going to go there. But think of somebody else calling you their name whilst. I, I don't quite get it. Yeah. I don't either. Well, aren't the Greeks sort of obsessed with the pursuit of perfection, the perfection of youth? A little bit, yeah. The body, architecture, art, poetry, (laughs) theater. So the perfect love is knowing fully how to love yourself, maybe. And that, that, that other who is looking at you is the validation of that love. Okay. I, I know. <laughs> when you were reading some of that stuff to me today, I was, uh, what is this? It, it just seems a little weird to me. If somebody were calling out their own name to me, I might be a little offended. But maybe I don't get that. <laughs> it just That's just me. Maybe. I'm not calling you. Uh, yeah. I'm not calling you back. 
the day yeah. after. <laughs> You're messed up, man. Go get some therapy or live in Greece. But uh, no, I sound so judgy, but I just don't get it is the problem there. The next morning, Elio says, let's go for a swim. They go for a swim. Well, first he and asks for there's much, much ado is made about this blue shirt. Yes. And I'll, and there's, I think this is a very normal thing to want to have somebody of somebody else's, your lover. And he asks if he can, Elio asks if he can have Oliver's shirt. And then yeah. he's acting a little detached too. And Oliver looks worried like, uh oh, does he have regrets or did I make a mistake? And just with a serious face, Elio says, let's go swimming. So he's in charge now. You say that Oliver is at the table having breakfast and he's got a book in his hand and mm -hmm. there's the third egg. <laughs> The third soft-boiled egg where he's tapped it, decapitated it, yes, and he's just sort of staring at the egg. And then Elio comes down, and he's got his Ray-Bans on, and he's looking incredibly confident. Mm -hmm. and he, he gives his mother an embrace. He gives his father an embrace. And he sits down, and it's almost oh my how the turns table. <laughs> and Elio is sort of in control of this relationship. Yeah. He's almost flaunting his nonchalance and insouciance to, to Oliver. Like, I'm giving my mom and my dad a big hug and just sitting down. To a norm I, I had this really big experience with you, but I'm going to act completely normal. And Oliver looks dumbstruck. He is dumbstruck. Like, who? What? Huh? <laughs> Wait, you're in the lead here? You're, the power uh, has shifted in some way? And Oliver goes to the old standby, which is got to go into town. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> got to go into town. Later. And Elio follows him. Mm. Does, does well, I'm trying to think. I'm missing a spot here in my brain. Well, I think Marcia shows up. Ah, and Elio yes. has the shirt on. Yes. They're across a little stone fence or something. There's something separating them physically, but they can see each other. And... He won't come closer to her. They've had, you know, they've lost their virginity together, you know. And she says, am I your girl? And he says, no. She looks brokenhearted, but she yeah. takes it well. She doesn't insist or cry or anything. She looks disappointed and then turns her bicycle around and rides off. And that's where we know Elio has made his choice. Yes. Elio does follow uh, Oliver into town. Yeah. And... Oh, he's not wearing the shirt there. I think the, the encounter with Marcia happens later, but oh, okay. he does follow Oliver into town. And he, I like how he he tries to attempt to, to talk to him. He goes, uh, well, never mind. And then he's going to leave. <laughs> and, uh, and I think Oliver's coming out of the post office or something. And, he's, and they're, they're just sort of – he's just sharing with Oliver. He said, do you know how happy I am that mm. we slept together? And here's where Oliver gets a little power happy again <laughs> and says, "Some what, is, what does he say? He, he issues a warning to Elio, like, I hope I don't hurt you. Or, I'm paraphrasing. I hope you don't aren't ruined. I didn't ruin you. <laughs> you know, he thinks right. too much of himself here. Me thinks he doth think too much of himself. And Elio's like, whatever, walks off. And I think this is the line where Oliver sort of puts his arm up there pretty close there on the street and says, if I could kiss you, I would, like confirming I do desire you, but I have a public persona and I have a private persona and I'm not out. I'm trying to think of the circumstance for Marzia 
when does that happen? Do you mean the exchange of my your girl, that one? Yeah, my your girl. When does that happen? Does that happen after? I think it happens after this. He wakes up, I think, the next day, and the, the shirt is left there. That's right. It it's looks like, like it's been day. dry cleaned or something. There's like a yeah. tag on it or something. It's like another day has gone by. And, Which, and by the way, I want to say something about that. That's wrong to dry clean it. He would want his scent, his cologne, because you're going to be wearing cologne in 83, right? So he took the scent away. Unless Mafalda got to it and oh, washed it. Oh, she's she. In, in fact, there are a couple of laundry scenes. She's she's on top of things, Mafalda. She would have smelled the sex. <laughs> he does say that she looks for signs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think Elio says she won't find any, and I think that's yeah. where I first become aware, because I know it's the 80s. Oh, were they wearing protection? No, it, it hasn't come up yet. That sort of thing. That night in bed, mm-hmm. Oliver sits up and and there he takes his shirt and he's just wiping the sweat and then throws it to the side of him and Elio grabs it and wipes the sweat off of him and he just throws it on the floor. Oh, that and, wouldn't do for Mafalda at all. No. And then Elio goes, you know, I worry because Mafalda she looks for signs and he says she's not going to find any. And I thought, on the one hand, what is she going to find? But on the other hand, does that mean he was using protection? And I kind of thought maybe that's – but I, I haven't read the novel, so. I hope to get to that part one one day <laughs> or I know. <laughs> Anyhow, he wants a keepsake. He knows this is a summer affair. At least right. that's the impression that I get. And he would like a memento. And that's a very personal thing to wear somebody's shirt. Yes. Now, I am trying to remember when the encounter with Marzia happens. Well, he's definitely wearing the shirt, so it must be after the gift and after the night, maybe the next day. I think he looks, the next day. Yeah. And, and they have a kind of, you know, community where people ride up all the time. You know, you don't have to receive a formal invitation. So she's just happy to go see Elio. She would have naturally expectations because of their interaction. I think the next we see the parents, and she's talking with the father, the mother's talking with the father, saying that uh, it would be nice for Elio to go with Oliver. Because Oliver actually approaches the parents or the professor, um, Elio's father, and says that he's going to leave and spend three days in some town. I couldn't understand whether that was for his work as a scholar or if that was just a, like, I'm taking three days for myself kind of thing. I think it was a little bit of both. Because yeah. I think he gives the excuse of something about his letters or something mm. or his papers. And he was probably going to see something there and then leave at a, they, they name a town and I can't remember what the name of the town. Yeah. But he's not coming back. Yeah, so it seemed it confused me because at first when I watched the first time I watched this, I thought, oh well, he must be he's going to come back to give a proper farewell, right? Because it seems yeah. pretty casual. So Elio had him pegged, like he's probably going to just say later when he departs. That's the fear. But then you see the conversation with the mother and the father, and she said maybe Elio should go. The mother it says this. Re- the mother says this, and go back to I almost had sex. <laughs> yeah. Why is mother kept out of things when mother knows everything? I don't know. Don't tell, don't tell the mother. I think the mother knows everything. You're right. Yeah. They do have that conversation, too. The, isn't this when later the mother and Elio have the conversation that, that she knows Oliver likes him? 
or was that? I think that's earlier because he's then off into town or something. But there is another conversation where she says, or maybe they both do, you can always come to us, you know, for anything. So quick cut to they're in front of a bus and Oliver's getting on the bus, but Elio has two. So they're going to take this trip together. Yeah. And when that bus starts, they're being proper and saying their goodbyes. When that bus takes off and they're sitting side by side on that bus, it's the first time they're truly alone without the constraints of other eyes and parents and friends and so forth. At the last second, Chiara comes up on her bicycle. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I missed it. Yeah, that's okay, Chiara. He's he's really not that into you. And even the, the parting is very sweet, though, because it was more than just later. He hugs the parents and he tells them thank you. And he said, oh, I'm just going to such and such this town to pick up my laundry and then I'll be right back. (laughs) He's being very sweet to the parents. Yeah. Oliver is. He gives him his honor. Professor, thank you so much. And yeah, then they can have real privacy in a hotel. But we don't see the hotel first. We see them out in this this beautiful cataracts of the cascading water and i don't know where they are but it's gorgeous and it's in northern italy somewhere (laughs) i have to look it up on one of these many pages that i have open i think i read that it's in some sort of national park spectacular and they're just running through the fields and laughing and it's very idyllic yes it's a gay man's dream essentially Right. Running through the streets of Italy or the fields of Italy with your with your significant other. Yeah. And even the scene in the bedroom, though, is not a lovemaking scene. They're just sort of, you know, horseplay, laughing, wrestling, having fun. And then they're out in the streets of Italy and it's nighttime and they're goofing off, maybe a little bit intoxicated, do you think? Well, that's what I took from a later scene. Yeah, I didn't. We didn't, we don't see any drinking. I think, but no. yeah, a little bit buzzed. He stops. Oliver's like, "Do you hear it? Do you hear it?" And I asked you earlier. I said, "Now, random stuff didn't happen like this mm-hmm. to us in our teenage years." Yes, it did. Yes, it did. And then I thought about it, and I thought, "No, wait a second. It did." Yeah. <laughs> we are much more controlled now. In this age, with all of our social media and being able to be contacted or to contact others at all times with our cell phone, you just went with things then. How would you know about anything otherwise? There's definitely a level of spontaneity that was lost due to social media. Yeah. You made, it's all now performative social media or performative spontaneity. Yeah, it's, it's not, going to be videoed for your Instagram yes, or whatever. It's not spontaneous. <laughs> yes, it's performative. Yeah. It has to be recorded. Oliver hears, which song is it? You're the song mistress. I don't know. Is it Love My Way? No, that was at the Unless They Played Again. Yeah, they played again. Okay, okay. So that's their yeah. song then. Well, it's definitely Oliver's song. Yeah. He's like, come on, come on, come on, come on. He comes around the corner. There's a, I don't know, Fiat or something <laughs> there. Yeah. Some very new wave looking Italian couple and a couple yeah. other people. And they're just sitting there jamming with the car stereo going. Yeah. And that was very 83, bell, I think. Yeah. The church bells are chiming. And he's like, uh, and he's you know, speaking in his probably not great Italian, but he's like, please, please, 
come dance with me, basically, underneath. Mm. And he goes, oh, Richard Butler, he's amazing. I saw them at the Palladium or whatever. <laughs> talking about when they saw him. The couple's talking about when they saw him. And Elliot's sort of sitting there observing all this, and then he gets sick. <laughs> yeah. Oliver picks the girl. There's a girl and two guys or two girls and a guy. I don't know, in the Fiat, uh, sort of standing around smoking, blasting the music. And Oliver grabs the girl and says, please dance with me in there in his goofy way, dancing with her. And yeah, Elio's observing this. And then without any warning at all, like a heave or, or any body language, just vomits. You know, he I, and I, that's where I think, oh, has he had too much to drink or is he upset or what? I had wondered if he was upset, but then the way they – I also wondered if they had partaken of some sort of substances because from the outdoor scene, mm. it cuts to the hotel room. It's not a lovemaking scene. They're wrestling and just giggling. The two of them mm. are just giggling their heads off. Yeah. And it shows them sort of staggering through the street, like rolling up against the wall, and I'm just wondering if they – we're under the influence of something. I think a nice Chianti can do that to you. A Chianti can? Yeah, uh, a blossoming, blossoming love mushrooms. and <laughs> your first time alone in, in the streets of Rome. And uh, yeah, you'd be giggly. My, and my brain went, they went foraging. They came back, they ingested, <laughs> and then they were tripping balls. <laughs> I, I think they're clean boys. I don't think they, I mean, I have no evidence to the contrary even, but they just. We have no evidence that they did. And th there's no suggestion that they're into that. Oliver sees this and he goes after Elio <clears throat> and they, you know, he's comforting him and he's embracing him. But Elio's finally like the veneer cracks and yeah. he is just very emotional. You know, he loves this man. Yeah. He's falling yeah. in love with him. Now, they, I have a problem because he, they kiss and Elio has just thrown up. Yes, that grossed me out. <laughs> yeah, have a mint, wash your mouth out, just, you know. But I also think it was intentional because it sort of symbolizes their intense passion yeah. and connection. Yeah, There's I don't care. Post to just, they don't care. Yeah. We missed the fruit, I think. We did miss the fruit. We can get to that at the well, – okay. well, we're almost at the end, so we can – Okay. The very next scene is he's leaving on the train. Yeah, that's difficult. And he's sitting on a bench all by himself, and he gets up and he you know, calls his mom. Yeah. They say and their goodbyes in a very platonic way, but a nice heartfelt hug. He's kind of breaking down in tears when yeah. he's, Mom, can you please come pick me up? That's what you'd do. You want to call your mother. And, again, <laughs> the mother is so in tune with everything that's going on. And I think the men in this – universe are just oblivious to the fact that no mom knows exactly what's going on. He doesn't call his father. He calls his mother. And she's driving. She's got her arm around. You know, she's gently yeah. touching the back of his head. She's very sweet. I told Sam that when they stop in the town square and she stops in somewhere, I was like, she's definitely going to get some Schwoyadel <laughs> to bring home and some uh, cannoli. Cheer him up. <laughs> She's French. She might be getting foie gras. Who knows? That's true. But he has this nice encounter with Marcia. Marcia. Yeah. He had given her a book when they were going to be an item. Uh, I think it was a book of poetry, was it? Mm. And she's And he's a little worried. I mean, he's brokenhearted and doesn't want to be seen like that, clearly. But she says a very nice thing to him. She says, I, I read the poems, and they were really beautiful. Thank you so much for the book. And I'm not mad at you. And... She said, I'm sorry you feel sad or something like that. 
and gives them a big hug. Like, like says, can we be friends? It's okay. And you know when you're feeling low and then somebody is kind to you and then the floodgates are really going to open because somebody has done a, a kindness, paid a kindness to you? Yeah. I think that's also represented there. He just sort of melts in her arms, grateful. I think what's so important about that scene is she says for life and he says for life. Yeah. And the, the embrace is so intense. Yeah. And I know that in that era, the connections that that I made with my friends were absolutely to have that level of acceptance, to know that people had your back was so vital, so important, especially people that were straight. Yeah. If she had been another kind of girl and just spread nastiness or whatever, you know, the woman scorned, but she isn't that kind of person. Yeah, Marzia winds up being a real hero yeah. to him. The talk with dad comes up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As it cut to, Elio is sitting on the couch, and the father is at one end, and he begins a, a rather long monologue mm-hmm. about friendship, feelings, his own take. But he's not unaware of Elio's possible rejection of that and says, maybe this isn't the sort of thing he would want to say to me. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some of my wisdom. I joked with you, Sam. I was like, I can't speak gay man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I can even speak lesbian. But some of the points or the analogies or the things that he's saying are just completely lost. Not, we don't know about his father, but even the interactions between Oliver and Elio to sort of – I missed a lot of it. So. Yeah. The symbolism, the not the symbolism, but just sort of the meaning. What's mm. the subtext there? What are they actually trying to say to each other? Yeah. That whole thing by the monument mm. was just lost on me. Yeah, they're That's speaking the, in metaphors a lot. We, what we didn't mention is that before that monument, they're by that weird pool, that little ancient infinity pool. And that's where Elio conveys the story that his mother had been reading about the prince mm. not being able to convey his feelings. So that's sort of a, a follow-up on that around the monument. I'm going to tell you my feelings. So what does the father say to him? He says, I, I know you're devastated, and what a very special friendship you have. It's so rare. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, guys. I, yeah, I don't have the script in front of me. He says, even through sadness, you should be happy. And allow the joy, allow the sadness, allow the joy. You have something so special that I have never had, and I envy you for that. And maybe you don't want to hear this from your dad, you know. Maybe it's too private because Elio's not responding. He's respectful and listening, but he's not saying anything. I think he's beyond words at this point. And um, I don't know. Can you get any of the real words in there? He keeps addressing it as a friendship. Yes. What you and Elio shared was very special. And Elio tries to talk about Oliver. It's almost hard for him to say the words about how Oliver is as a person. And it's like his father cuts him off and he says, no, he's a good person. And Elio says, he's he's better than me. And he goes, no, you're a good person too. Well, he says something like, what do you think Oliver would say to that? And Elio kind of shakes his head yes, like, yeah, I get you. He'd say the same about me. Right. And he says that says a lot about both of you. Yeah. It does you both credit. He does share, and he keeps saying friendship. 
friendship. Mm. But he also sort of opens the door, like even if it was friendship, possibly more. In other words, I'm giving you the safe landing. Yeah. I'm open to all of it. It's okay. When he says I've never, I kind of envy because I don't, I've never shared that with another person. We were debating like, has he, is it that he felt that way about a man? Yeah. Does he separate his marriage to a woman out from his other desires? I don't know. I don't think that it necessarily means sexual. I think what he's saying is I've never felt that close to another, either another person or even another man. Because it's so rare that men can share that level of emotional intimacy. We often equate that level of emotional intimacy with, you know, women seem, I'm saying socially, that this is, we think that only women have those deep connections. But men do too. But you rarely hear men say how deeply they love another man. And be, and they're totally okay with that. You know what I mean? How does dad know the extent of their intimacy? Though I, I, Maybe he knows they were more than friends. But how does he know that it's a unique, deep friendship rather than a sexual experience over the summer? I kind of got the impression that they both knew. Because they're out there in their lawn chairs. The parents just sort of speculating and... Yeah. I don't know. And they're smart people. They know their son. When he really did have a sexual experience with Marcia, he didn't announce that one. They saw the emotional connection, I think, with Oliver. Yeah. I mean, particularly the mother. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I think, like I said, it would be interesting to read the novel and how that all unfolds in the novel. He mentions, too, that he goes, I just want to remind you, you've only got one heart, right? Mm. And one body. And there's going to come a time when your heart is going to feel worn out and your body, people won't even look at it, much less want to be anywhere near it. <laughs> In other words, don't deprive yourself of the joys of, the of youth, Yes, which is you know, pretty heavy stuff. And by the time you're 30, you're so detached from feeling mm-hmm. that you choose to move on to someone else and to someone else. Grow with those experiences. And you might not want to have the feelings you're having, but I hope you will allow yourself to feel those things. It's really a beautiful monologue. It is a beautiful monologue. There's lots of layers to that monologue. Yeah. And the actor, more than once, he looked like Robin Williams. Yeah, there's something Robin Williams, not the shtick that, you know, or or even the voice, but there's some essence of him there. Yeah, there's like a profile to him that reminds me of Robin Williams. Michael Stuhlberg. Stolberg, yes. Actor's name Samuel Perlman is the character. And by the way, mom is played by Amira Kassar. So we transition to the winter time mm-hmm. and we see them lighting the candles for Hanukkah. Yeah. And there's lots of snow outside. Not all the candles are yet lit. The phone rings. <laughs> Elio answers and it's Oliver. And his joy is short lived though, isn't it? Yes, it is. I don't know why Oliver needed to convey this, but he does. He tells Elio that he is engaged to be married. And you can just see his face drop, Elio's face, like, what? (laughs) And in an untimely way, maybe you won't remember this, some of you out there, but you used to be able to pick up another phone in the house and everyone can get on a different line. And so mom and dad get on the line. They're like, hey, Oliver. And is it Elio or Oliver who says that he's engaged now, I forget, to the parents. Oh, uh, Elio, uh, Elio says, yeah. he's engaged to be married, yeah. as they're jumping on the phone. And they're conveying all the appropriate joy 
to Oliver, but looking at each other like, oh, God, our son's heart is going to be broken. Elio says, Elio, Elio. And then Oliver responds, Oliver, Oliver. And then yeah. Oliver says, I remember all of it. Yeah. And then the there's an extraordinary thing. scene. Yeah, extraordinary scene. How long do you think this goes on? I'm trying to think. It's a close-up of Elio. And I think he's sitting at the edge of the hearth, is he, near the fireplace or something? Yes, he, he sits down in front of the fireplace, just kind of wraps his arms around his knees, and you just see the close-up of his face staring into the fire. And he goes through the entire spectrum of emotions, from extreme despair to acceptance to love of a memory, but he's going to be okay. We get that sense. There's that letting go, and he's just trying to cope with all those feelings. There's a finality to having to let him go completely. Mm-hmm. Until that point, there was always the possibility yeah. that he could come, come back into his life. What did you think of the music that was playing at the end? And, and it Well, I'll like- tell you, it's, it's, I think, maybe the same piece that it opens with in the opening credits, mm. which I found a little strident in the opening sequence. But by the time, because he plays for various people, and he plays known pieces, too, by Bach or Litz or whoever. But I liked it by the end of it. It's very avant-garde to me. The song at the end is called Visions of Gideon. Yeah. And it's by an artist from Michigan, Sufjan Stevens. And I kind of went down that rabbit hole. It's kind of the chill music that I like. I was going to say there's a great piece, and it's about the artist Sufjan Stevens. And I like the way it's titled. Sufjan Stevens' songs were always gay, and they were always about God. (laughs) Okay. And so his music became very popular because of the film. And there's this great quote because faith is important to him. And apparently he went from atheist to converting to being a Quaker. Long before Javelin, Sufjan Stevens embodied that very promise that queerness and divinity could coexist and thrive. Being gay and being into God never had to be a binary choice. Wow. What a subtly perfect piece then to use for that shot. Because the yeah. whole theme is embracing your heritage of Judaism and embracing your sexuality. Sadly, back in September of 2023, he was diagnosed with Guillain Barre syndrome. He has some serious health issues that he's dealing with mm. right now. But he uh, composed some beautiful music. Some of his quotes are just amazing. He's like a modern-day philosopher and theosophist Okay. <laughs> for the modern era. <laughs> we will link that. I would era. like to read that as well. His music's beautiful. It's deep, it's emotional, and I will post this article along with the other sites that you can go check out in Italy. Fantastic. Yeah. Before we uh, wrap up, do we want to talk about the one scene, the fruit scene? Okay. This this is after they've consummated their love. And I'm not sure where Oliver has gone off to, but Elio thinks he's alone, and he has a peach there. He's lying in bed, and he has a peach, and um, he discovers that the peach is a little overripe. He's pushing it with his fingers and makes an orifice of of some sort in the peach, and he's feeling a little randy on top of that and decides to (laughs) – he fucks a peach. Well, there's that famous scene in American Pie. Oh, (laughs) you know, I haven't seen it, but I know the scene, the uh, the apple pie thing. Yeah, it actually happens the morning after. Yeah. And Elio follows him into town. Then I guess he comes back. And because when he once he leaves Oliver 
when Oliver says, you know, I could kiss you if I could get away with it, mm. you see the arm reaching up to grab the apricot. Oh, yeah. And then he's just kind of walking around the house in a daze, probably just lusting after when Oliver returns. It's the love glow after you find yeah, me. it is the love glow. I compared it to Sam that Oliver came in and grabbed the Sprite or the 7-Up out of the refrigerator, <laughs> shook it up. If Elio is the, the bottle of carbonated soda. Shook him up until he shook exploded. Him up. I, w- I won't yeah. go into that imagery. Never mind. So he's just, you know, a bunch of hormones. Yeah. He's ripe, overripe like that peach. Yes. And so he does the deed and then falls asleep. And then Oliver comes in for the fruit scene. And he's like, hey, wake up. I think he starts to go down on him. And he must realize, you know, that's very peachy there. But he says, what's going on with you? And then he makes the connection without Elio telling him. He looks over at the peach. Now, I don't know how he made that connection because... I don't think he starts to gratify him. I think he starts to just kind of kiss him and then looks over at the peach on the the corner of the table there and says, what are you doing? (laughs) I see. The the plant kingdom now? (laughs) (laughs) He does say that. (laughs) You've already rejected animals? Uh, You know, I'm an animal. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but but it's not it's it's very cute and funny. But Elio is not digging it, right? right? To sort of tease Elio, he says, "You know what I'm going to do?" And he grabs the peach, like I'm going to take a big bite of this. And Elio says, "Please don't." He's really upset. Yeah. Please don't. And at first, Oliver teases him, like, "So what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it." But then he realizes Elio has broken down. He's crying and asks yeah. Oliver, "Am I sick?" The answer is no. You're not no. sick. It's the only scene in the whole film where at first you're kind of, he's not going <laughs> to. Yeah, it's but uncomfortable then, to watch. It's uncomfortable to watch, but I think the point of that scene is for Ilio to kind of get the deepest, darkest fears vocalized for mm-hmm. him to be able to, you know, just kind of articulate what he's afraid of being labeled sick. And he knows he's not going to be labeled that way by his family. That's clear. I think he already knows that. But it's the world beyond this idyllic villa that I think maybe intimidates him. Yeah. He's sort of, by most standards, I think probably three or four years behind schedule. As far as discovering parts, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Discovering your body and knowing what you want to do with it. Mm. Going back to the discussion with the father, we were talking about... uh, I don't think it registers to them. I I said this to you. They look at people as people. Mm -hmm. They're not clocking genders at all. No. As you pointed out before, they're truly sapiosexual. Yeah. I think that it's part of what he's he's also trying to say to Ilio. Like, it really doesn't matter the who. It's the emotional, he's a good person, you're a good person. Mm -hmm. And it's about valuing the the, um, interaction and the experience. But you see, he has a conflict because after that temptation kiss where Oliver kind of calms it down and says, I want to be good. He's Mm. told by somebody he's in love with, no, that's bad. And I want to be good. He's told by his parents, you are good. Oliver is good and you are good. So he's got both ringing in his ears, I think. And then uh, what will his peers think? (laughs) 
but I think he trusts the opinion of his and his, the advice of his family quite a bit. And, yeah. you know, he's got to figure some things out on his own. But like I said, we're only getting a part of the story. The book is an entire novel in the first person, the deeper thoughts and allusions to other things. I mean, you don't always have to go to the novel, right? Does this stand on its own? Of course it does. And going towards what you had said when you're speaking about Oliver, Oliver is choosing to present and take advantage of the straight construct, the straight mm-hmm. life, heterosexual male, head of the family, respected scholar, all of that. Well, he also has a less understanding family, as he blurts out to Elio at some point. You're lucky he does to have tell the parents. Him that. He actually says it to him on the phone. Like, yeah. can he, my parents would have just locked me up. Mm-hmm. And that was the case. (laughs) Yeah. And still is in many places. You love this film. I love it. Yeah. I appreciate it. Hmm. It didn't connect with me emotionally the way some other films have of the same sort of storyline. You know, self-discovery, coming of age, LGBTQ, if you want to put it all in that. Yeah those categories. I think what resonated with me the most was Elio's relationship with his mother and father. So yes, it's a coming of age story. It's a first time, first love story and and all that. It's an LGBTQ story. But I loved the lessons that he learned by having this dalliance or this first love or whatever you want to call it, this friendship, deeper than friendship. But he's always going to have his family. Right. That's the core. And they accept him. Do we want to get into the army hammer thing or no? Other than Not just really there have been some serious allegations. Do you want to uh, end on a negative? No, no we're not. We're going to end on a positive because <laughs> we're going to we're going to give our call to action after this. OK, but you can go down that rabbit hole. There have been some serious, serious allegations uh, that peaked during the Me Too movement. Not entirely. I think the the indict. I'm not sure. I didn't go down completely the rabbit hole. There have been actually some more recent allegations. Oh, really? I want to say over the past maybe a year ago or something, but something more recent than the original allegations. Okay, I didn't know that. So, (laughs) do you want to talk about what are you watching before we give our call to action? Sure. I think you know what I've been watching. (laughs) We've both been watching the same movie over and over again. One movie over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> I had recommended The World to Come to Sam, yeah. but I gave her the warning. What's that? The dis- disclaimer. I'm like, look, you're going to like probably the first third, two thirds of this film, and then you're not going to like the last mm. third of this film. And then I forgot about the, the animal thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I needed trigger warnings for a couple Sam of Sam is very sensitive, too, and I needed to text her really quick. <laughs> she's like, I'm going to watch it right now. And then ten, I'm like, well, I'm, I think I'll watch it again. And I had texted you like, wait, wait, wait. And I'm so glad you did because as soon as I heard a hint of that, I closed my eyes. It's very brief, but I did not need to see that. So It's a film that I didn't. It's so funny. I I didn't think I'd want to do it, but then you loved it so much. <laughs> I loved it. I I turned around and watched it again. It's it's one of the most beautiful scripts, and um, it is a film that will get there. I think I'm not sure we'll where we have there. it slated. March. March. Uh, we're, it's so beautifully written. I can't get over the words sometimes. It's, it's poetry. Simple words and it's almost there. painfully intimate. And just beautiful. I didn't want to watch it again. And I then I'm like, well, 
I did love the the first two thirds of the movie, so I watched the first two thirds, mm. and then I found myself I'm going to watch it to the end, and I think I watched it again too, and I thought, wow, there's just there's a lot here. Yeah. And then there was some criticism I think that was unjust, and maybe before we close out this episode, is there any criticism that you can find with this film, Sam? No. I think it's almost a perfect coming-of-age film. But maybe I haven't seen a lot on the male side of this genre, but I don't tend to bracket it as just LGBTQ. I think it's a beautiful love letter to a beautiful time before the intrusiveness of cell phones and a period of discovery. I think the cinematography is beautiful. I think that young Timothy Chalamet is an exquisite actor. I mean, Army Hammer, I... I think he might have been replaceable, but the parents were great. The cinematography, the acting, the the location, the particular detail, the set designer put into yes. everything. The little relics of the 80s that weren't like, look at me, I'm in the 80s, but just sort of sitting there, uh, a stabilo pen, you know, the, the felt-tip pens that are very iconic looking, the orange ones with sort of white stripes. Uh, the Walkman, the uh, the Ralph Lauren preppy look for Oliver, and then I guess uh, what was Elio's? This was Lacoste. Looks like, I was thinking of the shorts and the long sleeve shirts. Yeah. As everybody wanting to dress like a, something out of a Merchant Ivory film. I know. Or or either um, you're going on safari with your khaki shorts and your and Ralph Lauren or whatever. I completely. At first, I'm thinking that is absolutely ridiculous the way they're dressed. And then I thought, no, it's not because of the films that were popular. Yeah, that was a total thing, a phase. <laughs> it was. My only criticism is I, I do think that Army Hammer was too old to play the role. I, I don't I know. Feel- uh, yes, I do. In real life, he would have been he would have been 20, well, depending on when his birthday was, I guess, 27. So only six years age difference. But he looks like he's 30 years old. In the, in the film, he looks so much older than Timothy Chalamet. And I just feel like that was done for a little more titillation, you know, to yeah. kind of heighten mm. the age difference. Yeah, Elio, I, I think we can't blame Oliver for the way he looks, but Elio was cast for being very much, he's very pedomorphic, isn't he? He hasn't had his glow up. He's got a little, he's got a boy's body. He's very slender. And in uh, fact, there's a scene we didn't really talk about, but I think after Oliver arrives, he goes up to the bathroom and begins to shave. And you wonder, what are you shaving? I don't think you can grow a beard yet. I mean, Timothy Chalamet today has his man weight on and he's got his man jawline yeah. going on. He, he's definitely matured into his manhood. Yeah. So he is a very young man yeah. in when this is filmed. I think you can't view this film through the lens of presentism though because 83 those age lines right or wrong were extremely blurred and i don't think we thought of it as predatory if there were a few years difference between people it's about consent and it's clear Mm -hmm. that he is consenting it's clear that he has initiated and at 24 you have college students that are 17 years old and college students that are 24, mm. I think you're kind of in the zone where you can't argue that a 24-year-old – I mean, you could, you could, but in, in most places, 16 and above is considered consensual. And then in, there are some states still where the, the age of consent is, what, 
14, I think 15 is the... Yeah, you know, I mean, I we're also talking about Italy. So. Oh, oh, Italy. I do remember going through that at some point. I think when we were doing Rosemary's Baby to look for age of mm-hmm. consent, and you know, worldwide. Oh, 14 years of age. Where, where's that? Italy. For Italy. Oh. I just feel like the environment, they treat him like, they give him the freedoms of a college student. Do you know what I mean? His parents are kind of nudging him along. Like, they are extraordinary people with an extraordinary son. He's composing music in his spare time. <laughs> you know, he's reading voraciously in his spare. He's precocious. He's older than his years academically, intellectually, but not sexually. And also, Oliver is trying to do the right thing by his professor. Yes. This man is hosting him. This is a privilege to be there. There's a compact but- there. Yeah. And Elio is insistent. It, it would be like when we were doing Almost Famous. Mm. He loses his virginity to the to the Band-Aids. Yeah. They're age mates, though, the Band-Aids. We don't know that at, at first, but then yeah. we do later. <laughs> yeah. How old yeah, are you really? We're led to believe that they're older, but no, that we find out that they're actually age mates. Yeah. That's the, kind of the big reveal there. Yeah. So that's what we're watching. How about our call to action? Call to action, action, action. Please check us out. We have a presence on numerous platforms. We have a X slash Twitter account. You can find us there if you look up celluloid pudding on Instagram, where we'd like to put up dioramas and other fun fare. So you can DM us there or have a look. We have an email, which or a Gmail, I should say, which is celluloid pudding, all one word, at gmail.com. One other thing that I'd like to reiterate is... It's very important for us to know that you're there, and it does help us as podcasters and as people who would like to connect with you if you would leave us a star rating if you enjoyed the content or were moved by it in any way, and to give us a little comment or to communicate anything. If we make a mistake, let us know. We're we're pretty open and uh, would love to hear from you. We always love hearing from you. Yeah. So good night, Sam. Again, we thank the people first. Okay. Watch something different. Read something new. Be kind to one another. Good night, Beth. Good night, Sam.